0: It has been a slow death ever since the penalty shootout lost to Chivas in April, but the final nail in Toronto FC's coffin was likely delivered this past week with a pair of losses. The team has now entered full introspective mode, and so too will we on this week's Footy Talks podcast. My name's Mitchell Tierney, and on this episode, something a little bit different on the show as we welcome on Waking the Red photographer Tagwa Moyo. We'll talk a bit about sports photography as well as getting a bit of a different perspective on Toronto FC, and then wrap it up with some Everton as well. Tag, thanks for joining the show.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: (laughs) Well, uh... Even after that hype, we'll we'll start the show on a bit of a somber note, uh, as has been the case a lot this season. Toronto FC, they're not officially mathematically eliminated yet, but the eulogies have kind of started flowing in. It's not looking good. No, this week, uh, both internally and externally after the 4-2 loss to LAFC, uh, Michael Bradley had this to say after the loss. uh, Quote, when you win everything in the way we did last year, you have to know that the season it's going to be exponentially more difficult across the board every single person in this club has come up short in understanding those what those challenges would be and then fold that up by saying through 27 league games this year it's not even close not even close um so yeah it, it kind of sounds like they know at this point like uh, like I said they're not mathematically eliminated but considering they've only won 7 games all season and would need to win another 7 to make the playoffs like that just doesn't look good does it
1: I've like do they have to win 7 in order to like be a good seed or do they have to win 7 to get the 6th seed that's my question
0: I think 7 to, you could maybe do it with 6, but like 6 or 7, you almost have to run the table, even if you want to make the playoffs, because Philadelphia's pulled away so far in the past few games, so there's really only one seed up for grabs if you're Toronto FC at this point.
1: I guess so, yeah, true. I mean, but look at Seattle, I mean, we could go on like a little tear, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, the thing was, Seattle uh, started a little bit earlier. (laughs) True, true.
1: Hey, I'm just trying to be optimistic, man. I, I don't. You see, you're, you're in the. I'm, I'm down in the trenches. The people that are listening to this podcast, they might find me, they might see me, and they might like throw their beer at me while I'm taking photos.
0: That's true. Yeah, you have to be <laughs> a little nicer. I've got gotta a nice. Got to be uh, a little nice. I got a glass window in between me and sometimes people open it, but I'm still in the third <laughs> row, so it'd be pretty impressive if someone, uh, someone hit me with a beer.
1: But yeah, man, it's it's not looking good. Even like. You can you can, you can can see that players are getting frustrated on the pitch. Um, it's a total stark difference from, like, the start of the season. Even last season, like, there was always that feeling. Like, you could tell, especially because, like, I'm down there. I'm on the field. I can hear what they're saying. Um, they'd never argued, really, and, like, blamed each other when, like, someone missed a pass or missed a run by a little bit. But now, like, especially, like, the LFC, LAFC game, that was brutal. Like, they were getting super frustrated with players. And it was just, like, it was kind of, like sad to see you know because the expectation was so high
0: something like 0-13 and 1 now too when they've allowed the first goal so um you can just tell the team doesn't have the same fight back they did last season
1: exactly like it's and I, I I it's at first it was like injuries but it's like okay we've had relatively like minus Vasquez going out we've had Oso back not Oso we've had Altidore back we've had um We've had, like, Mavinga, even though he's, like, gone, he was back for a little bit. Vanderbilt, like, we've had, like, solid lineups, as solid as you could have, but it's just, like, nothing, it seems to a click, especially yeah. once a goal goes in and the boys, like, legitimately, it seems like they, like, lose a little bit of hope as soon as they score, get scored on.
0: Yeah, for sure, and... Uh, We we've had conversations throughout the season, and even very early on, uh, you know, um, very shortly after that Champions League loss, uh, I I remember you texting me and being like. I think they're in trouble here, and I, I kind of spent a while talking you off the ledge. And honestly, I've spent a lot of this season kind of talking Toronto FC fans off the ledge over on Waking the Red and on this podcast. But uh, it, it turns out I, I was wrong. Um, th- things never really did turn around. So, what were kind of those early signs that that you kind of picked up on that that maybe I didn't that that, that maybe things weren't uh, weren't going to turn around, and this season would end up the way it has.
1: I think for me, the biggest thing was like being able to like hear how the players interact with each other on the pitch, you know? And when they're walking to the tunnel through halftime, hearing them, like, when things go wrong, they're, like, frustrated, they're yelling at each other, even in the games. You didn't see that last year. Um, you didn't see people kind of, like, questioning Bradley when he said to make a run here and people do the other thing or or do the wrong, like, just doing doing things that you didn't see last year. Before everything, there's an agenda, everyone knew what to follow, and they kind of, like, stuck by that, and they trusted it, but when they started losing, you could see players were try to do their own things, and create their own ways, and stray away from how, like, the passing that, that got them in it, and made them so dominant last season, you know, that was, that was for me, just being able to hear, and see, and, like, the body language, even those watching the game, like, not even just, like, me, take away the fact that I'm by the field people watching on TV you can see um the way that they carry themselves is totally different last year every single game they went into knowing they would win from the 11 men that were on the on, on the field to like the pe the the man coming off the bench they all knew that like at any moment this game was theirs you don't you, you don't feel that you don't see that they don't have that same energy this year
0: Fair enough, and we, we've talked a bit about the frustration that the team has had on the field. You, as a photographer, kind of get uh, more of an opportunity to maybe be a fan than than I would as a journalist. Obviously, you have to be more objective and, mm-hmm. and and you know write write it as I see it. But but you can kind of cheer for the team a little bit more, and you're probably a bigger fan than I am. So, um, what's been for you the most frustrating thing about the Toronto FC team this season? Because you know, for, for me, a little bit even even covering this team, you just see the talent in, on an individual scale, and you see the players they brought in. And arrow has been good. Gregory VanderVille, I really like as well. Um, obviously, you know, Igor didn't really work out, but it, that's it my seems, guy. <laughs> it seems on paper that that this team should uh, should be better than they were last year. But it, like you said, it just something hasn't clicked.
1: I. I I I just and I'm I'm going to sound like one of those angry um TFC fans on their uh, social media accounts that are <laughs> commenting on stuff but there's a lot of them I think we just put a little bit too much stock in Champions League like I I honestly and I that that was something that me and you you would always be like dude like it's like Champions League is worth it but it's like we'd be sending basically our TFC 2 team in like the first half of the season to play our MLS games. And it's like, yes, Champions League is important, but like we're an MLS team. Um that that like that was that that was my biggest that's my biggest thing. I just think we put way too much stock into making sure guys were and yes, I know they had a shorter off season. And yes, they some people did need that more time. But it's like there were there were there were points where like me myself, I'm not like a casual fan. I think I know a little bit more, thanks to you and the rest of the guys at the waking. Thank like a little bit more about like the academy team and like players. But there'd be times where I'm like, who is this dude starting or who is this dude on the bench? Where yeah. like it's like, just put in like put in Dravinko or put in like someone like that, put in Ricketts just to start the game, and then maybe like once we have like a one nil, two nil lead, because those guys can score. Like, they're like that's why, like, it's not like we're being shut out every single game. We're usually, like, it's 4-2, four, four, like, 3-1. We're we're usually scoring, but it's just, that second half usually is where it gets us. But, yeah, it's just too much stock in um, Champions League for me.
0: You kind of mentioned, uh, this actually leads me very well into the next thing I wanted to talk about, the fact that they have been scoring, and their offense is actually pretty solid this season, which is something that surprised me a little bit considering how poor they've been is that realistically both in terms of expected goals and the goals they've actually scored they are a top five offense in major league soccer still um you know even even it seems like it's a little inconsistent but they are scoring goals at the same time this is probably the worst we've ever seen their defense they've they're allowing more they're on pace to allow more goals than they ever have before which is incredible considering uh how bad they've been in some of the other MLS seasons um and you know I I thought um and this kind of goes back to me talking people off the ledge and thinking that things would all work out I thought once Drew Moore and Chris Mavinga returned everything would go back to normal um but it hasn't really there there still seems to be systematic issues with this back line. what are you seeing kind of on the field level that that's kind of contributed to this
1: i to that one i don't even know it just all seems broken man i i, I don't know if these guys are like s- still like nursing injuries and just coming back before they're truly ready and like just because they know how like What the MLS Cup and winning that feels like. So they might be like saying they're better than they are when really maybe they're coming in at 85% rather than coming in at 95 or 100, which you want. And it's showing because, like, like you said, we've got like when we even when we had Mavinga back, when we had Justin Moore, when we had Drew Moore, like all those guys like who were on the team last year and like who were putting in work. It's just it doesn't, it doesn't, they're not, it's not the same. Um, and you can even and and to that point where i think um they're not coming back healthy sometimes you can see like a guys like Justin Moore who plays on the wing but comes back all the time he's gassed after like one or two like two or three runs whereas last year he, this man would go back and forth back and forth so it's just uh it's 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 weird and it's it's unfortunate to
0: see and like you never want to like it's it's too simplistic for me to just blame uh the back line for for the defensive issues because uh, obviously the midfield has contributed as well they, they've put a lot more offensive players in that midfield mix with you know Vasquez and Osorio have been the have been the consistent players in there over maybe a Doug that was there all throughout last season mm-hmm. um but the goalkeeping as well has has been a big issue. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk uh, about this Alex Bono, you know, and whether he should be replaced by Clint Irwin. Well, Irwin didn't necessarily have yeah. a great game uh, just, against LAFC you, either, and that's kind of been one of the things I've been I've been saying all season is look, I know Bono's struggling, but I still think he's a you know he's a better keeper than Clint Irwin. Not that Clint's poor, as we said, everything's just been kind of wrong back there this season but what have you seen that's been a little different from Bono because there's just there's mistakes that he it's confidence man yeah he seemed to cut out of his game
1: that's that's the biggest thing that I've found with Bono um this year he's just like lost his confidence and I think it comes from he came from last year he won that spot early right and then um and then the team was just doing so well, so well. He wasn't really tested back to that back line because the back line and the whole team was so so was doing so well. So he never really faced true adversity, Bono, right? Um he came, he he was a young guy, he he took that spot and then this year it was all different. Um like he the conca captain go the way as planned and then during the regular season they were early they were losing games and for a, for a young guy like bones is like our age i'm pretty sure maybe a little bit older or younger but that's got to be hard for someone that had such a high pedestal he got the call up to the USA men's national team um he wasn't starting but like he he's he's, he's he was playing um and then just to be humbled i think that 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 was the biggest thing um and you can see that now. There's certain times where he he comes up and then he backs up and then he goes forward again because he's he's second guessing himself. Um, so it's it, it's just I feel like the confidence and facing adversity. And like you said, um, I was I was one of those people. I was like, get Bono out of there, get Bono out of there, put her <laughs> in it. But after after seeing her, er, um, Irwin, no no like flack to him. He just I appreciated Bono. I appreciate Bono way more, and I feel like we should just stick with him. It's a confidence issue. It's not a lack of skill. We've seen what he can do. It's just confidence. And he needs to, the only way to build that is just to keep playing, get big saves. And as a goalkeeper, you, you thrive off the more big saves you get, the more confidence you get. So I, I think we just need to keep rolling with bones. And you can hear that as well. When I'm, when I'm there, people, people were cheering for Bono to come in the game to, to sub him in during the LAFC game. Hmm. Huh. Like that, and that—that's rare. You do like when Bono w- was having a bad game. You never heard once this season people saying, "Put Clinton there."
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fair enough. That yeah, that's the kind of thing that I don't necessarily get up in my up in my glass box. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At BMO Field. um Tagwa is a, a qualified goalkeeper. He's played at a pretty high level, none more so than almost leading our Ryerson intramural team to a Division B title. Um, so he, he does know what he's talking about there. Um, but Thank l- you. Let's move on to uh, to something. MVP, that I... they say, right? Pardon?
1: MVP? <laughs> oh, of course,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear, although we did have a couple of other good players on the team. Uh, I'm not including myself in that conversation, but um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of incredible <laughs> that, uh, that we haven't actually talked about the Inebriati situation on this podcast yet. Well, actually, we kind of did, but uh, there's a whole episode with Kristen Knowles that you'll, you'll never hear because of technical difficulties, but... Um, <laughs> to to, to kind of you know sum up the situation the group had its supporters group status removed by the club and a number of lifetime bans uh, from BMO field were issued after the incident in Ottawa um why I kind of wanted to bring this up as well is I think we differ a little bit in terms of opinions on this topic um, I'd say a lot a, a lot fair enough um I know uh you know as a photographer, you'll certainly be missing the the character that they provide to, for BMO Field. So, what, what what's been your take on on this situation and how things have been handled?
1: Um, first of all, free and eberybody.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> no, but in a more, more serious note, what they did was like absolutely dumb. Uh, it's not warranted. Um, it, it, like that that themselves like the explosives and all the other things that they've done in the past is kind of like Moron is like not moronic, but just like not i don't know what they were thinking, but like I just don't agree with taking all of those guys out that that was my biggest thing it's like take out the bad weeds and kick those out, kick those guys out for a lifetime for for the life, and that's fine um but don't get i I just don't agree with getting rid of all of them like there's more. More than just like, I just don't agree with getting rid of all of them. I, I really don't. And it's more than just, I want to have good pictures of those guys. I can <laughs> still get good pictures of the Red Patch Boys, Kings of the North, all of those guys. I've gotten some really good pictures since the Inebriati was gone of those guys. Um, but it's just, at the same time, the Inebriati brings another level of, um, of, of, of cheering another level to the atmosphere um which can't you cannot no one can deny that um even even the players on tfc i, I remember i saw josie um in one of his stories put free inebriati um i've seen i've i like Oso and those guys they 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 like one one time um at the end of the game i heard them like talking about like where's the inebriati what what's going on um so it's just like it's the the players the players missed that. Certain fans of the TFC fans missed that. But yes, what they did was dumb. And I'm not completely like, oh, it's they, they shouldn't have banned them at all. It makes sense. I just think it's rather harsh.
0: Yeah, and I, I do think the club could have handled this a little better as well. Um, certainly in the fact that, you know, if you're an inebriati member, you have to be incredibly frustrated that, you know, the, both the club and the league use these incidents where you're where you're using these flares as part of their marketing packages mm-hmm. and then go around and ban you for for something you did and obviously as we've we've both said and, and I I'm a little more strongly on this like if this was a bad incident this absolutely cannot be tolerated but if but when you're marketing that as well um, and it does seem like there were some some petty conflicts between the two teams as well. Um, you know, there was a there was a Giovinco banner that they got in trouble for. But um, I, I do think that
1: banner was super cool. Of,
0: yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think the uh, I think the issue with that was they they'd, they'd uh, previously had a banner that was you know horrible and absolutely should not have been allowed in BMO Field. So I think it was the fact that they. Uh, that they, you know, had already been told you can't bring in banners that aren't approved by the club. So it didn't really matter what the banner said on it. It was, you know, this this can't be tolerated anymore. Uh, you know, I think Toronto could have came down a little harder on them in the past, and perhaps mm-hmm. that would have, uh, you know, that would have made this seem a little more more stark. But at the end of the day, I think this this was the right move. Uh, for me, this group... I,
1: I, I don't, because, like... Yes, they like what? What exactly? Cause I I can't even front. I've I've been I've been following TFC for a while, but only for the past two years where I've been shooting that I've really been like following these TFC passionately and like I rep TFC as one of my my clubs now. Still Everton, but also TFC. Like those are my those are my ride or die teams. And it I feel like you go to Europe and you go to places, big teams. They have diehard fans like that man and like i said red patch kings of the north all those guys they're diehard fans but the energy that 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 the inebriati brought man like they're they 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 they, you you know but like made everything make sense they made all of like the cheers all of the team all of the supporter group were in unison now sometimes The Red Patch Boys will be singing something totally different than the Kings of the North, and they're looking at each other, the two leaders, and they just don't know what to do. The Inebriati, as much as people hated them, certain people in each of the, maybe not hated them, but disliked them, they made things work. And that's my biggest thing. They made things work. They brought an atmosphere that was truly like, I'm at a football match. I'm at like, not not a soccer match, but like, I feel like I'm at a football match. Like, I feel like I'm, this is like Europe. This is what it felt like to me. I've had friends that have gone to like European matches, come back and they're like, Yeah, the Anibirati is the real deal. These guys are like passionate. These guys had tattoos of Anibirati <laughs> and TFC. And like that's that's also kind of dumb on their part to get like that tattooed on them. But um, <laughs> it's just like these guys were so passionate. They brought they brought it to the to the to the team. They like rep these guys. They like i i i find myself i found myself like cheering while shooting and singing the songs with these guys because it was so passionate you you felt like you felt like you needed to sing
0: i i I obviously get that and i think there's there is kind of a disconnect where people think that um others are coming down hard on them for for their style of support and i I don't think that's the case look like we we can all appreciate what they did for the atmosphere at BMO Field, but I just think that they, like you said, they brought the European element of support over here, but they brought a little too much of it. They brought some of that kind of hooliganism and and some but of those issues that's, as well. That's the
1: dopeness about soccer, man. You know, I, <laughs> like, see, it, it, that's it, where it's, I disagree,
0: man. Like
1: to a, to an extent, I I agree with you. Or like, there's there's being dumb and there's being passionate. They they would always be hovering that line. But I don't feel like, like, what, what, what would you have, what, what did you, what would you say would be like an extent where it'd be like, okay, the inebriati, this is good about them. And like, this is where they teeter off the hinges, you know?
0: Well, where I think they definitely teetered off the hinges is when they start to put other people in danger, which they did in Montreal when they um, wrecked their stadium. And, and there's a lot of fans, that, uh, Toronto FC fans in the surrounding area that got hurt uh, as a result of those burns. Things could have gone very badly in Ottawa if it wasn't slightly different and, and people didn't act quickly. I mean, those turf pitches can can you know alight pretty quickly. We, we've seen that before at BMO Field back in the day when they had... They had turf, so that could have been an issue if the if there wasn't a quicker attendant there. So, I, I just think that they had too many dangerous incidents, where especially in today's day and age, like you can't be you can't be doing that kind of thing. There was an explosion that, like, I'm not really sure what set it off, but you can hear it on the video there was an explosion in the Ottawa Stadium, and the kind of panic that can cause in in you know today's uh, terror times is. Is is problematic for me, and that's why I think um, I think that they did the right thing. I, I know they could have handled this a lot better, as I said, but um, I do think that this was the right decision.
1: Fair. Agree to it, Disagree.
0: All right. <laughs> I think that was a. I think that was a good uh, discussion, though, and kind of frames the, the debate very well. So uh, let's move on to, uh, a couple of positive things that there still remain uh, yeah. at BMO Field and around Toronto. FC. one of them is Lucas Hansen, who, um, I've been very impressed with so far. I know, uh, especially with the way Auger Ketche took a lot of time. Well. He never did really fit fit in with this team. Lucas Hansen's been a player who's been able to fit in so quickly. He's technically great. He his he's so good. His ability to set up players is is unbelievable. I mean, he already seems to know where Giovinco and Asorio, especially those two players, are when he makes passes. So, uh, what have you made of of Hansen so far?
1: He yeah exa- exactly what you said. He is what tfc wished agar could be um and he i i i love agar you you know that i'm one of his biggest fans even now it hurts me to say what i just said but um he he's able to pick the runs and just like pass and as if he's been with the team last year you know that's that's the kind of stuff that he's bringing he's bringing like not oh i've been here a month he's i've uh, he's a full he's a true soccer player. He knows he knows the games. He knows the in and outs. That's why he works so well with Seba. That's why he works so well with um Oso. Um, if Vasquez wasn't injured, I feel like they once they are able to connect and play more often, that'd be deadly, you know? Even though they play the same position. Um and he, he's taking I, I feel like he could maybe I d I don't know, maybe maybe take some of Delgado, who's also my boy, but take some of that time and make them more powerful but I, I just i just really like how he's playing though
0: yeah and it, it's going to be tough to tough to keep him considering the salary um information that we've been we've been given but uh yeah, i think if he continues to play like this they have to try their best one of the things that might be complicating keeping a guy like Lucas Hansen, but not necessarily in a negative way, is the fact that Jonathan Asorio has re-signed a new long-term contract with Toronto FC. There was interest from the Bundesliga. There was interest from Mexico, and even even big South American clubs reached out as well, apparently. Um, but Asorio is going to stay. Apparently, it's close to a million dollars that he'll be making, and uh, I quite frankly think he deserves it. And I've I've talked at length earlier in the week about. Uh, how I think this is a big positive for both the club and, and soccer in this country. But uh, what, what's your take on it, Tagla?
1: Uh, it's huge. Oso, and I'll be honest, um, last year I was not the biggest fan of Oso um, just because he wasn't converting how he was um, this year. And and again, <laughs> it's funny, it's a reoccurring thing. As I feel like this podcast was a setup just for Mitch to have me say, you were right. <laughs> um, yes. All right, times... we're done.
0: Uh, I've cl- I'm <laughs> clipping that, and uh, the rest of this was just a sham to get you to say that.
1: Because <laughs> a lot of times um, last year, I'd be like, "What's going on?" You're just like, tech, just like it's coming, it's coming." It's it's frustrating, yes, but like you saw that potential in him earlier, and now like just seeing him bag goals, he's you he gets that ball in this in, inside the 18 yard box or or within it, you're like. He's gonna score, or he's gonna make something happen where someone else scores, or it's it's gonna be a a deadly attack, um, and that's 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 exciting to see, and it's good for it's good for the um, country especially because he's a homegrown guy. Like kids love him. Um, it, it's it's just great to see for the development of Canadian soccer, um, and that he's getting paid well. He didn't he didn't leave to go to Europe or anything like that, which I'm more pro to. I want these guys to stay. I want the MLS to be a league that like. Is, is somewhere where kids that are super talented want to stay and play and eventually will be able to make money also like you said he might be making close to a mil that's that's a lot of money that's incentive for young canadians to want to stay and play you know
0: yeah for sure and that's uh that's basically summed up what what i said earlier in the week is that you know it, it's good to have canadian faces on canadian teams and, and to have Uh, this pathway now where Canadians know they can make money in this league and, and not just have to look abroad for, for opportunities like this is, is absolutely massive for the club. Um, so let's let's end there and and move on to our next segment um which we'll kind of talk a bit about what you do you are the photographer for waking the red uh among other other sports photography things that you've done um you know so i just wanted to talk a bit about about what you do and and sports photography in general because um you know i can i can look down and I, i see all the photos you take but uh uh, you know, I, I don't fully understand uh, what you do, and I'm sure a lot of people out there would be very interested in, in it as well. So, um, you know, one of the things that I thought of off the top is is kind of how important is a knowledge of the sport because it seems especially in soccer um, where it's such a big field and and there's you know so much happening at any one time. How important is is a knowledge of the game as a photographer in terms of kind of being in the right spot at the right time to take those photos?
1: yeah I think um and this is actually a great question. I think it's the most important um when it comes to not just um sports photography but any jo- any like type of photography um especially with soccer like like you said, I've played soccer my entire life um so I, I know the ins and outs, I know like positioning, I know it, 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 which has helped me. So I know where to go, um, to get certain angles, to get certain photos. Um, I go places that usually other photographers don't go to. Um, and then I see them going to it. Um, because now I'm not saying that like, it's because of me, but maybe because they've seen my photos and they've seen that, Oh, that's a, that's a different angle. And it comes out, the photos come out well. Um, it goes the same way. Like if I were to shoot hockey, I'm kind of like a fish out of water because I played a little bit. I play shinny every now and then, but um, I I don't know where to go um, when I'm shoot. I'm, I'm shooting hockey. It's all like spray and pray for me at that point. So it's very important um, to like understand or at least like try and immerse yourself into the sport, especially if you want to shoot soccer or shoot basketball or shoot hockey. Um, watch the game look at look at photos look at other people's photos um it's not copying it's just finding inspiration um and then build off that you know that's 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 what I do I I look at a lot of guys I look at like our boy Matt Stith I look at I look at a lot of guys um Denmark all of their photos um wonderful photographers who excel and they all ding ding have a background in soccer and which is why I feel like it kind of it kind of can separate you. Um, So if you want, if you want something just like immerse yourself in it, just like anything else, you have to study it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, one of the things that I kind of find cool is how much of a kind of a different perspective you get of the game so close to the field and, and so close to the players and the fans as well. I'm, I'm constantly or not constantly, but there's, there's times throughout a season where I'll, I'll ask you things and you'll send me things up that, you know, I'm, I'm just not getting in, in the, in the stands or sorry, in the, uh, you know, higher up in the stands in in my glass box, as I described <laughs> it earlier, uh, you know, surrounded by, um, tv monitors and and windows where i can't fully hear what's going on in the atmosphere and and what's going on in the field so how cool has as kind of that been your ability to i don't know almost almost feel the pulse of the game a little bit better than than i can from my detached position
1: uh man it's it's the coolest thing um like i i they're they're got some of the older heads um i hear them they're like always like oh this is just another another day another day at the office but for me it's like the coolest thing because I feel like I'm a part of the game like I I, I'm I'm not a part of the game but I I I can hear what the players are saying I can feel the atmosphere um I I it's just super awesome and it's a great perspective to be in and to constantly be in to to find and discover and feel new things because I'm so close to the field it's it's really cool
0: I'm realizing now that this is a brutal question in terms of uh the audio format, but maybe we'll make it um the the banner photo for the podcast um what's what's kind of your favorite photo that you've taken it, as a Toronto FC photographer and uh kind of describe maybe how you uh, how you went about taking that photo
1: uh, yeah I have um I can't pinpoint it that's like the hardest not just for a podcast but for any photographer. Um, to pinpoint their favorite. Uh you you gave me like a um you showed me that this was one of the questions so it kind of let me be able to go back last night and kind of look at my photos. Uh, I couldn't pick one. Um but I have I have two. My first one is I think it's actually your Twitter header photo. Yeah. Um I think it is, where yeah. it's it's Bradley, um Seba and Josie. They had jumped the the advertisement board and they were about to um, go hug the fans and me being the little devious photographer <laughs> that I am, I was like, this is my chance. So what I do is I run to w- right where the wall is, right in between the fans and 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 the players and I just hunker myself down. I'm on my knees and I'm just spraying down. Um, that's one of those moments where like I, I in that moment, I didn't think, oh, th- this was going to be a great photo. Um, I, I was just going there because I wanted to get the celebration and I was like, just hoping for the best as I, as I usually do sometimes. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until like, I, I, I got, I, I got back and I started editing it and I shared it to you guys, you and Ollie, I think it was, and you guys went nuts. And I was like, oh man, I looked at it and I'm like, this is crazy. Just cause <laughs> the subtle fact that like Seba was there with the fans, um, and Bradley was there. Those guys are usually, they'll go, they'll go to the advertisement board, but that's usually where they'll stay. Mm-hmm. They won't jump over it. And the fact that, like, I was basically the gap between the fans and, and those guys, plus Altador, who constantly jumps over there and, and sees them, is really good, was, re- like, really meaningful for me. And then my second favorite photo um, was when they won the MLS Cup and the confetti was flying and all you could see in the photo, really, you could see, like, the fa- the the players, but you could see vividly the MLS Cup in the air, um, just Bradley holding it up, and that was just, like, one of my favorite photos just because, like, the meaning behind it, you could see, like, all the hard work and, like, the trophy and all of the confetti, and it just felt, it felt right, like, it felt like, it felt good for me.
0: Who's the best player on Toronto FC, or I guess you can maybe give a couple on Toronto FC to shoot in terms of, uh, the emotion and and what they provide.
1: Um, emotion definitely Seba. Yeah,
0: I'm um, just because. <laughs>
1: uh, um, good or bad, he he will let you know how he feels. Um, hmm. he he never hides whether he's upset. Um, <laughs> uh, he never hides when he's happy. Sometimes you can see him pull back and then he just lets go. Um, another player that's really good, really funny is Oso. Um, just because when he's dribbling the ball and he's trying to, his tongue's always out, so it's always funny. Um, just because it's just kind of like that's kind of his signature, you know he his his tongue out. Um, it, it's weird, but like it's also like a really good. He's it's also makes it really fun. And then for celebration, like after goals, I'd say it's always if he's on the field, Altador. He he. It doesn't matter if he had nothing to do with the goal or if he was the one that scores whether he's away from the dudes that are are cheering he's always like he's always fired up so th- those are those are the three guys that um that I I'd say are, are my favorite. Michael Bradley is just very hard to shoot. I don't know why. Um it's hard for me to get a shot of him in focus.
0: <laughs> um, and not
1: just me, many other
0: photographers. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about this this issue <laughs> uh, before. It's it's kind of funny. Um and then what would be kind of your your dream sporting event to shoot i know um you know you're an everton supporter which we'll get to in a bit but um you know what would you what would you love to take photos of if you know what's on the bucket list there um world cup world cup is obviously there Mm -hmm.
1: but for me it's it's the olympics Mm -hmm. um specifically the summer olympics um that that when when I my goal is to actually be able to shoot one of the soccer one of the um Olympics to shoot the Olympics before I'm 30 it's just it's because when I was younger I wanted to play soccer and I mean now that I am like kind of in the field it's not real really realistic but play soccer um for Canada in the Olympics or play a sport for Canada in the Olympics um and as a photographer like that's like the greatest athletes in their sports are always usually at the olympics you know um and that that's just me for me the atmosphere um the crowd shots that i could get the different sporting events that i could shoot even if i have no background on them it's just that that's that's my goal um olympics but also definitely world cup um hopefully i'll get to shoot that one it's here in canada
0: yeah for sure that's that's uh, for anyone in this soccer field you know you were already getting excited for that and the opportunities okay. it'll represent for all of us um, don't give up on your Olympic dream just yet man our our buddy Ben just bought a boat so maybe we can get on the sailing team somehow <laughs> <laughs> we still have we still have like another twenty thirty years to go before that dreams did um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh let's move on to our final segment uh. Everton and uh, I'd written in the show lineup uh, it was a poor start to the season for them I feel like that's a little bit unfair I mean they haven't lost yet yeah we um, haven't lost which yeah, is yeah, I told,
1: I saw that and I wanted to call you last <laughs> night um it's not a poor I, it's not a we're not having a it's not a poor start it's not what we wanted but it's also not like I'm not I'm not upset I don't think at all um a win and two draws is something Bad, we especially because yeah. we have so many new players um, who are just playing or who have not even played with us yet, you know? Um, so I, I don't think it's a poor start.
0: <laughs> this this works out well. It got me got me fired up. Or it got you fired up right off the bat, so, so it works the way I wanted it to. But what I would contend is the fact that they really haven't played. As you've said, they haven't had kind of time to gel as a team but they also haven't played top teams yet like Wolves mm-hmm. just came up this year obviously they've tied Manchester City since and we all know they were going to be a decent side but Southampton Bournemouth and Huddersfield especially um, they, they just haven't really played the big teams yeah. yet so the fact they haven't picked up you know they've only picked up three points once it isn't the best situation
1: yeah it's not, it's, it's not the best situation but um, I'd be more concerned if we were losing, you know. Yeah. Against those teams that we should be we should we should be getting points on. And yeah, one like a tie is not the amount of points we want, but it's better than nothing. Um and I'm not I'm not trying to create excuses, but <laughs> most of our like two of our games we've been a man down. Mhm. I mean, so is the other team eventually, but that's just <laughs> karma—the soccer gods coming to w- work with us. But still, it's when when you're playing with ten men, no matter if it's ten on ten, it's harder. The pitch is huge, um, and you don't you don't practice with ten men either. Um, so that's 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 one thing, um, but I, I I I don't think it's 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 not what I wanted it to be, but it's also not um, it's it's not nothing bad in my in my case. The point, like. Rick Carlson has proven that he's going to be good. They're giving Tom David Tom Davies like reps, which I'm super stoked about. He's probably my favorite player on that team. Um, and once once everyone once everyone gets acquainted and once everything starts to click, man, it's coming home.
0: <laughs> it's coming home. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you've adopted that for for just uh, Everton's sake. Um,
1: and okay. I also want to say this: if Manchester City doesn't want sane we'll take him.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Free,
1: free Leroy Sonnet. It's a push, but if anyone hears me in power, free Leroy Sonnet.
0: Yeah, I think it might be coming home, but it might be coming home to the red half of Liverpool. Um, <laughs>
1: uh, pardon, I think I have to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before you leave, uh, you, we we have talked about uh, you know the the fact that expectations have been kind of raised this season via the second time Everton uh has kind of splashed the cash in, in the window. Uh this time they brought in Luca Dina, Bernard, Yerimina, and of course Richarlison. I know Richarlison's had kind of hit the ground running the most, um, but mm-hmm. what's been your impression of kind of the new players they brought in so far?
1: Uh you forgot about I do believe Zuma is his name. Um Ooh.
0: they also yeah, got I, him? I think that's My think yeah.
1: On that, ah, he's still here, no? Yeah. Um. But I, I, I think everyone is figuring out, like you said, Rick Collison. He's proving that, like he, he's worth the money. I was, all, I was a little bit worried um, at how much we spent on him, but he's, he's showing, aside from his little head flick, that he's worth the money. Um, Bernard, uh, and all, all those other guys. It's still, it's harder to kind of. Quantify those guys because they're more defensive roles, so it's it's where Carlson's getting all the praise because he's scoring he's creating but I feel like those guys will will be a good addition a nice younger back line especially um no 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 like no disrespect to our old guys but Jag and and them can they're kind of getting an old and slow and hard to hard to maintain with all the other faster younger strikers that they're going up against so I think it's good um that these younger guys are what they're doing and it's just it's too early for me to really be like oh i think they're doing poorly or i think they're doing really well it's three games um plus the Caribou cup which wasn't televised so
0: <laughs> and they won that game anyway but um... exactly
1: so it, it it's just it's too early um but it's also warranted um i think they're doing as well as they could be with how quickly everyone has signed and cleared weight clear training and all that so i think i think this this saturday or sunday if i forget which day they're playing we'll see
0: (laughs) um uh, it's it's, coming home next saturday it's the international break
1: Next Saturday, yeah, it's
0: coming home. I, I forgot about that as well. I was so excited. I, I have a clean Saturday, so uh, oh. I was like, I can finally watch some Prem. Oh no, no, I can't. I, no, I can't. Yeah, I'll watch a bunch of international friendlies. At least Canada plays this weekend, so I'm excited about that. But um, how do you how do you start supporting Everton? Because um, you know, most people here in Canada, they're either United, Liverpool, Arsenal, one of those top clubs. There's very few uh, that kind of go. Uh, it's obviously, Everton's not a small club, but, uh, you know, they're not like Huddersfield or, or Brighton or something like that. Uh, no mm-hmm. offense to those fans, but uh, you don't see all that many Everton supporters in Canada.
1: Uh, yeah, it's actually really funny. Um, so I started out as a United fan um, when I was like. I'd say when I was eight or nine, whenever Ronaldo was on Manchester United, really, mm-hmm. um, I was I was and still am a huge Ronaldo fan. He's better than Messi. Um, That's also false, <laughs> uh, um, but um, yeah. And then my cousin was just he he was a City fan, and he was like, "Why are you cheering for United? United? Everyone cheers for United." And he just like when you're young, your older si your older sibling or cousin, when they start making fun of you. Um, you just like take what they say as like the end all be all so I was like well I guess I'll cheer for a new team Um, (laughs) and um, so I was just looking around and Saha was on Everton at the time and I really liked him Um, so I was like alright well I'm an Everton fan now and since I was like 14 I've been an Everton uh, 14 or 15 I've been an Everton fan
0: cool Um... yeah
1: it's, it's like a weird story I like the People on every soccer team that i played for when I explain them the story, they, they, they laugh at me. Um, I'm sure people are, may comment. But hey, I'm not cheering for Liverpool. <laughs> I'm not cheering for Arsenal. Who is Arsenal even? They're not the same team. They don't even look the same. Arsenal fans, come to Everton. It's not too late. Um, Chelsea's respectable-ish. I hate City. United. I always have a little piece of my heart, but it's all about Everton, man.
0: Nice, coming yeah. Home. I actually have <laughs> it's coming home. I actually have something <laughs> of a similar similar story. Uh, I, I did support United growing up, but I don't know. I just uh, I feel like
1: that's the easiest thing to do when you're yeah. young. Just support Manchester <sighs> United.
0: There's something about supporting top like, I don't know, bandwagoning like that, that I've always had a hard time with, as you can tell mm-hmm. by the fact that I cheer for the Canadian men's national team. And, um, <laughs> I did kind of hop on the Leicester bandwagon, but I feel like that's, that's a little different They're They're not one of those teams is expected to be top year in, year out. And, um, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll just wrap up with um, with Everton this season, you know, and these kind of increased expectations. What's well, a successful season? Do you want to see the side kind of at least push or, or even break into that top six with uh, the Manchester's, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham? Um, oh, most definitely, yeah. Or, I think yeah.
1: Um, even as much as I say it's coming home. That'd be absolutely amazing, and uh, you would not hear the end of it from me if it if it did happen. But realistically, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think top six, top five, even top five would be huge, um, and I think we can do it. Like I said, once we've got we've got the we've got the youth, um, we've got we've got a decent amount of depth. Um, I I think top five or six would be really a really good stepping stone and could help build and not only that but i think most importantly being able to keep like our young guys that we have like Dowell Davies i know we're getting rid of Lockman or Lockman hope um, but if we could keep guys like that and not just let them go away um that would also be a successful season to me not seeing so many of our young guys leave like maybe send them off on loans but don't let them transfer and leave us entirely that's that's truly a successful season to me if we we can keep Dowell I'll be happy.
0: Yeah, it's always a tricky mm-hmm. situation for clubs like Everton that end up being kind of the middlemen in uh, in world football. But um, cough,
1: cough, Barkley, cough, cough, Lukaku, cough, cough. <laughs> Fellaini.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully our, our Everton can kind of uh, shed that tag now and, and push into the top group. Um, we're we're going to wrap up there, Tagwa. Thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, plug some stuff, man.
1: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um. Yeah, feel free if you guys Want, follow me on Instagram Uh, My handle is Um, And yeah Also just make sure you keep up with I don't know if I can say it, but Waking the Red um, oh, Where my say. photos are uh, <laughs> Where my photos will be My photo stories will be Up there, so you definitely um, Waking the Red and Shuddersworth On Instagram and Twitter Because um, I post a lot of my soccer stuff there So yeah, thank you for having me again I'm sorry that the guy bailed on you last minute before me and you had to get me. I'm happy to be here, though.
0: (laughs) That's not true at all. (laughs) Um, Thank thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We're closing in on 10,000 listens now for the podcast, which is pretty awesome. Let's get it. So thanks, everyone, for, for your continued support and have a great week.